Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today is a little bit of a bonus episode. As some of you know, we gave birth to our baby Jasmine on Christmas Day in 2022. And our birth story and our birth journey was absolutely incredible. Um, I think Jared calculated that it was something, I can't remember the number he keeps saying, but something like 116 hours of labor. (laughs) And um, it was a, just such an incredible, um, intense journey. And something that had gone on for so long and there's so many details to it. And um, I would love to share some of those details and the timeline of what happened. And yeah, just to to share that to you, but also for all of the people who want more details. And there are going to be more episodes to come <laughs> because there's no way for me and us to capture what happened in that time and to share the richness of what happened um, in just one episode. And Jared and I are definitely going to come on and and share more about our collective experience um, when the time is right and when we pretty much logistically when the time is right because, um, yeah, I wanted to get something out there as quickly as possible for you. Yeah, so like a little disclaimer about this episode is that this birth story is really intense. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that my job is to pretty much process things, process vulnerable and meaningful experiences and philosophies and ideas and spiritual practices and to share vulnerably. So to process them myself and get really clear understandings, um, meaningful understandings for you, and then to share as vulnerably as possible. And I really love that. I love the process of processing things. And then I also love speaking about it. It gives me another layer of understanding and of processing. And then also being vulnerable is just something that really nourishes me and heals me and integrates me. So I um, intend for this to be something that adds richness to your experience. If you are a pregnant woman, or if you are a woman, and you intend to give birth, this this story is about a is about a five day obstructed and complicated labor that was actually incredibly painful um, and also very traumatic for the support teams and people that witnessed it and that ended in a C section. And so I know a lot of women don't, or, you know, couples and women and and people sometimes don't want to hear alternative stories to maybe their own birth preferences. But I can assure you that this experience that I had and this labor and the birth was the most incredible, powerful, inspiring, empowering, beautiful joyful experiences I've ever had. I wouldn't trade it for a thing. I cannot believe how amazing. I feel so appreciative for this experience. I wouldn't trade it for a thing. It's nothing that I would ever expect. 
you know, I, I really learned lessons about the beliefs that I had about birth, you know, being a investigating pregnancy and birth and natural birth and safe birth and home birth. And um, yeah, getting to have this experience that actually had every, it included every possible birth experience in one. And for me, it was not traumatic in the least. I've had traumatic experiences. I've had PTSD. And I've had experiences that were traumatic and those are clear to me. Those are experiences where I felt hopeless, unsupported, confused, and I really suffered through them. But in this experience, even though on the outside, like I had so many people cry for me during the process and so many people being in so much pain and, you know, in their emergency response, which is absolutely fair enough, you know, for me. And, you know, people cry for me thinking, oh my God. And so many people say, you know, I'm so, so sorry that you didn't get what you wanted. Even at times when I was like beaming and so happy and just couldn't believe how lucky and was just so excited, you know, that the baby was coming and like literally saying how amazing I feel and how happy I am. People were still, you know, feeling sad for me that I wasn't getting my birth preference. And, you know, going through the experience, I realized that oh, like my birth, every single birth preference I had was completely met. I got everything I wanted from the experience, but I also got so much more. And um, I never, I never was so attached to only one particular experience, you know, which is what people recommend to do and which I felt comfortable with. Like there was a plan that, you know, we, we laid out that we thought would be the best plan. But yeah, this experience was not traumatic for me. And I really hope that, you know, people will take it how they take it. But I really hope that you can, if you are pregnant or a woman who is wants to get pregnant or give birth and is worried about it, that this will open your mind a little bit about what you what you really need. You don't need things to go a certain way. You need to feel supported. You need to feel confident in yourself. And you need to feel clear and not bogged down with unprocessed emotions and fears and thoughts and worries and, and things like that. And all of that happens before the labor starts. So you really determine the outcome of your labor and your birth before the labor starts. I always, you know, I, I looked into like orgasmic birthing and stuff like that. And I would always think to myself that actually I'm already, I've already had an orgasmic birth because I'm so clear and happy and excited about my birth. I feel no worries and fears knowing that anything could happen and that I have no idea what's going to happen because I've never given birth and I have absolutely no idea what's to come. But I feel so clear and confident and supported about it that it's already an orgasmic birth. It's already something that I can feel into the end of the process and it feels complete and joyful. So let me have a crack at um, sharing the timeline. So just the details of what happened from Wednesday, I think December 21st or something like that, to Sunday, Christmas Day, December 25th, just last week. So on Wednesday afternoon, I, you know, a lot of you know, I was absolutely huge and I started to get really intense back pain and, you know, couldn't really get comfortable, was like, 
you know, trying to move and stretch and breathe and process this back pain that was that came on really strong. And during my pregnancy, I had had hip pain, but I'd also started to get quite a searing back and hip pain in down my left leg and down my left hip that would, you know, come on at night and kind of wake me up with this screaming kind of pain that I have to kind of just get up and walk it off and, you know, maybe go back to bed, maybe not kind of thing. But it was it was able to be managed. But I did have this kind of musculoskeletal issue, whether it was a ligament, a muscle, a nerve, something was um, having, a, you know, really painful pressure on it. And also the position of the baby was down one side. And she is, at, you know, she's, she was a big baby, four kilos, 54 centimeters long. So very long, very big baby. And she was off to the side. So not in the, um, not in the position for birth or anything like that, but, you know, potentially pressing on something and, and causing this pain. So I started to just have back pain. I was like, okay, well, whatever this is, started to manage it. And then at five, I, I went to go and get a massage and the pain was really bad. Got there and I was like, oh, like bending over and getting these cramps and like, oh, to, you know, told gay. I was like, I've got, got these cramps. And, and she kind of looked, looked at me, <laughs> looked at the size of me and was like, righto, like in her mind, like fully, like you're in labor right now. So she puts me on the table and I can't get comfortable. And Finally, we put me on one side and she puts me on one side and I'm looking at the clock, you know, with a seconds hand. And I start to realize like she's doing body work on me. So it feels amazing. Like part of me is relaxing, but on the another part of me is in this quite severe pain in my back. And I look at the clock and I can see that every 90 seconds for about a minute, I'm getting a wave of relief. So I was like, I just looked at Gay, I started laughing. I was like, I'm, I, do you think I'm having contractions? And she was like, I think you're in labor. So she keeps working on me and, um, you know, does all of these induction points. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, wow, um, every, like it is rhythmic. Every 90 seconds, I'm getting one minute break from this back pain. Like this is so interesting. So we finished the massage like 15 minutes early and called Jared and I'm like, Jared, can you please come and pick me up? And he's like, oh my God, what's happening? I'm like, just come and, just come and grab me. And uh, we go home and he's already gotten Justin to start set up the space. So at home we have Justin, our housemate, and also Sue, Jared's mom, already living with us in preparation for the birth, but not so much the birth, but really the postpartum period. And I mean, Justin lives with us anyways, but Sue, Grandma Sue is here for being with us in the postpartum period. So they start to set up the house and I sit on the couch and the contractions start to get quite intense and they're still spaced apart the same amount of time. Sue and us are timing them. So they're quite frequent and they're, and they're quite strong in the intensity of sensations because of this back pain. <laughs> And then I go to the toilet and there's, you know, a little bit of a bloody show. Mucus plug has started to come out and, you know, luckily Sue's there. So she knows what is in my underwear and, you know, is like, wow, look, this is crazy. You're in labor. So I go into the bath and have like a beautiful little bath. You know, Jared's, you know, setting up the space. He's already had a massive day at work um, and has come home. He had two more days of work to go. And, you know, it was like these few really massive last days. So he's kind of like been working on the house to get things set up, not really feeling settled or prepared. But we have a bath together and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm working through these contractions that are coming, you know, really frequently and quite strong. 
And, um, you know, we let the midwife know, I, I let my manager know at the studio, I think I'm in, I think I'm going into labor, we're not going to have our meeting tomorrow and like kind of shut off my phone, put that away and, and let our doula and midwife know. And, and then I just labor all night long with these quite frequent contractions, a lot of back pain. And yeah, just kind of like work through it and the space is set up and Jared goes to to bed for, you know, a couple of hours waking up a little bit because he's not really sure what's going on and I'm like you know moving around the room and in quite a quite a bit of pain you know and sounding and working through the contractions and the morning comes and I'm still working through it and my you know our doulas told us you know don't go into the bath don't you don't want to slow the labor down at all if you need pain relief go into the shower so you know I try shower I'm trying things to to get rid of the pain and the intent the pain is is really strong so you know, what, what was happening here was that there was a musculoskeletal issue, whatever that ligament it was, you know, the, the baby's positioned sideways, you know, the head's, uh, you know, sometimes it's called back labor, like the baby's facing more towards, or the back's more towards the back. And also she was more off to the side, really big baby. And there was something going on where she was pressing on something that was inflaming it and it started to get, you know, really inflamed and really raw. So the I could, there was contractions, but there was before and after the contractions, this like, this pain that was way more intense than the contractions. So just kind of trying to work through that, but not getting into the bath or not doing any pain relief to slow it down. Like the recommendation was like, try to make the contractions more intense to help turn the baby and by the afternoon, the, the doula comes over and things are pretty intense now. I've been in this back pain for, uh, you know, 24 hours, what's 20, a whole day. And, um, you know, so she starts to do some techniques to try to turn the baby. Contractions are still pretty frequent. Maybe now they're, they've laid off to be more like five minutes apart or three, three or four minutes apart. And we do a whole bunch of these techniques to try to turn the baby but my physical body is in so much pain from this whatever ligament or whatever is going on and it's down the hip and it's like, you know, really a lot to deal with. So the contractions sound way stronger than they actually are. It's actually just the pain that is there. So we do all of these techniques. The midwife comes over and she's kind of watching things, seeing how things are going. And I think maybe by, this is Thursday, so maybe by 8 p.m. the midwife is like, can I do a um, vaginal exam on you? And I was like, yes, I want to know, um, you know, what's going on. She does the exam and she says, okay, so you're one centimeter dilated. So basically the labor isn't really engaged, but there's, you know, something else going on. And I'm absolutely like clear that there's two things going on. There's a labor process going on. And then there's some kind of um, musculoskeletal issue that is getting triggered by each contraction and getting kind of inflamed. And she's like, so you guys need to slow this labor right down and go and get some rest. So I was like, okay, sweet. So I got in the bath and I was like, great. Like I wanted to slow things down because there's, in my mind, I was like, there's no way this could progress to a birth because there's two things going on and one is stopping the other like the pain is stopping the contractions and the turning from that from the later labor process for my uterus like whatever's going on in my back and hips or abdomen or spine or whatever was going on 
was kind of inhibiting that. So it's like, sweet, we can slow it down. So had a bath and slowed everything right down. Like, you know, I got the clear instructions, slow down your labor. So I fully relaxed everything all the way down. And throughout the night, I was just managing the contractions. They spaced out to 10 minutes apart. And I was just like breathing through them and consciously fully letting go of the leg pain before and after each contraction and only breathing through the contractions and like sounding and just like, you know, really enjoying the contractions exactly as I wanted to, you know, just was was orgasmic, you know, just feeling the uterus, like, yes, there's an intensity, it could be called pain with the contractions, but just like feeling the uterus, like, do its work, be in that incredible, rhythmic, deep internal energy that was happening. And with the pain that was happening, I was just, you know, compartmentalized and put it into another box and consciously let it go and didn't pay any focus on it and just paid attention to the contractions that came. And so I got sleep in between those contractions. So, you know, maybe six minutes between every, you know, 10 minute contraction. And that went on into the night. Jared got some sleep, woke up in the morning and, you know, got Jared to run me a bath again and like had this beautiful bath and Sue brought me fruit. And again, just like only working with these gentle spaced out contractions and ignoring the pain or releasing it into the bath and spent, you know, three hours there, like really, really slow and slowing that labor process right down just to give everything a break. And I, I reckon somehow the contraction of the uterus, either because of the ligaments and the muscles of the uterus or the pressure of the contractions on whatever else was inflamed, the the more I could soften down the contractions and space them out, the less inflamed and painful the other issue was. And sw- switched up my energy, felt really good, got Jared to take me down t- for a walk to the beach, you know, still... 10 minute apart contractions could breathe through them let everything else go and like keeping things slow you know went into the water and this is friday morning now because i had been in labor quote unquote labor since wednesday night by uh wednesday afternoon by friday afternoon you know the midwife is basically saying if you're not in labor we need to confirm you're not in labor but Technically, you've been in labor now for 48 hours, and the hospital has a policy that you're, if you're not progressing and you've been in labor for 12 hours, some, I can't remember the whole policy, but basically, you need to get a better scan than the one I can do at home to make sure the baby really isn't in stress. So 2 p.m. on Friday, we have to go to the hospital, our first visit to the hospital, first of three. And the whole time, every, you know, they're they're continuously monitoring the baby and the baby Jasmine is just 100% unfazed, living in her luxurious, big, spacious bubble in my belly, stretching, kicking. And also when she kicked and moved, it would also trigger a little bit of whatever that inflammation was. So there's just a lot of pain going on. That was outside of the contractions completely. And we went and got, had to go to the hospital and get some scans. And, you know, they're just saying about how amazing the baby's doing, how easy it was to get the scan. Um, And I do a urine test and as well, just to check that basically I'm hydrated, that I'm not, you know, that 
there's no ketones in my urine and my uterus basically still has the nutrition that it needs for labor and also that I'm not currently in labor otherwise maybe they need to talk to me about if it's still safe to labor at home you know whatever policies that they have that they need to tick off for a woman who's been in labor in a long time but hasn't made any progress in their dilation and you know meanwhile I'm just like well I've been slowing my labor down so of course I haven't made progress so basically the midwife was like well actually now stop your labor so I stopped it we get to the hospital and the labor had completely stopped so they were able to monitor me and see that there was no contractions that I'm not in labor and they were able to tick off their boxes to send me home and say okay well you're not in labor so don't worry about it and when labor starts you'll be fine and the baby's totally happy but they also took a urine test and said that they think I have a UTI and I need to take antibiotics. I'm like, okay, great, send me home with those. So they send me home with antibiotics and we're like, of course I'm not taking antibiotics for something that you think that I might have. But they did do two tests and at the end they were like, yep, yep, you have a UTI. We're going to send away test results, but yeah, you've got um, at least a trace of UTI, so take antibiotics. So we didn't get the antibiotics. We go home and um, I'm so relaxed. Like, yes, there's pain. Anytime a contraction comes, which is now so spaced out, like maybe one every half an hour or something like, and really light, it's still, it's still triggering whatever that nerve that damages inflammation is and it is still painful but I'm so relaxed that labor actually starts back up again so my body must have been like okay well the pain's gone she's relaxed let's let's finish this because labor had already started you know so much of the mucus plug had already come out potentially my waters had already broken you know as there was a bit of leaking but it's hard to say because the baby's head was engaged down in the pelvis, but just at the wrong angle, you know, and potentially that wrong angle was what was causing this pain and inflammation. So I do the same thing I did the night before, like tried to keep it slow, um, but the labor had definitely started back up again. There was contractions and around the contractions before and after was this pain. Contractions were never less than a minute long. The next morning I do the same thing, go into the bath, have this beautiful bath, you know, breathe through the reactions, feel the whole birthing process and my uterus and my cervix and, you know, inviting the cervix to soften and open and all of these things, but still trying to stop the labor. Like there's no reason for me to go into labor. Like can feel that if I was to go into labor now, there's so, such an intense pain. Like it would, I, I wouldn't be able to do the work the the nuance. It would be, it'd be such a challenge to do the inward nuanced, relaxed expanding, opening, softening process of labor while there's such an intense pain going on in the background. So I have no need to speed up labor, but I'm just like inviting the body to continue to soften and open because if labor does start, I'm going to need to be able to deliver quickly because the I wouldn't be able to go through that pain for a long labor process. So just inviting everything to open and have the bath. So this is now Saturday. And Saturday by, it's hard to say the times because I wasn't really looking at times, but by I think mid-morning, maybe 10 a.m., the there was no more pain relief. So no baths worked, no showers worked. The inflammation had gotten so bad that it was just continuous pain, standing, sitting, like absolutely nothing was relieving the pain. But the contractions had started to come back in in a rhythmic way contractions were not intense and the contractions weren't very frequent you know maybe they were like two in ten minutes but that continuous pain was there was no break in the pain to be able to to let go of it so that was really intense so it was just 
every single second, breathing through that intense back and hip pain. And there was not even the bath. There was nowhere I could flow. There's nowhere I could go to get rid of it. We call over Simon, our chiropractor friend to, you know, because I'm like Googling now, like, what do you, how do people get through back labor? Because back labor is a thing where the baby is positioned the opposite way. So the baby's facing the front of your belly instead of the baby facing your back. Um, And that position pushes a lot of pressure on the back and it can cause really bad pain for women. But mine had gone to the next level where there was even a bath when nothing could soften it. I was looking at how to get through back labor. There's a lot of advice on a chiropractic adjustment might help. So Simon came over and did like, oh, he was just amazing, like so patient because I just, I couldn't even move into positions and I was just like, literally just screaming in pain would have been so hard to watch but spent an hour and did like every adjustment possible dry needling like the gun like so many good things and when he was doing body work like a lot of things were like felt good but that pain never went away the adjustment never whatever could be adjusted wasn't being adjusted and I don't know if anything actually could have created relief because it wasn't really back labor it was a some other complication that was causing this pain And basically that just didn't go away. So that was hours and Jared's just there with me witnessing this, like just absolutely destroyed by what he is seeing. Not only just the complication of the labor of his wife and his child, which he's so, so connected to, you know, so connected to both of us. And it's not just the complication of what might happen, but just to witness the pain (laughs) was so hard for him. And that went on for hours until, and so we even call up the midwife and she's like, look, this is, this is not labor. This is, this must be the UTI. So we grab the antibiotics, I down, start downing the antibiotics. If this is the UTI that's creating this pain, you know, and an inflammation, maybe in my kidneys or somewhere else, then I will be getting rid of that right now. So took the antibiotics. She was like, if this was labor, you would be feeling good in between the surges or the contractions. But in reality, I was, you know, off the charts and not able to get any relief. I think I even got, oh, so they had, they had said, you know, in hospital, they can administer panadine. Oh, they had already um, prescribed on Friday panadine fort or something like that, like some codeine painkiller. And I had, you know, downed all of them and it had not made the slightest difference, imperceptible. So then, like I said, my contractions had, labor had started again. I knew labor had started. There was contractions as I had known them before, had already started in the morning because of the night before me just being so relaxed and working through it. The body was now, you know, trying to engage in the labor process, you know, with the contractions. And I think it was like, 10 p.m., 11 p.m. at night, just kind of broke down to Jared. I was like, I I don't know what to do. I'd been in this, like, unable to escape the pain, continuous searing pain in my back, um, hips, and down my legs for so long, you know, since maybe, I mean, for all of the days before, but in this most excruciating way um, from maybe 10 a.m. and now it's like 11 p.m. at night. And I was like, we need to go to the hospital. We need to get some kind of pain pain relief. We need to do something. This is, you know, I'm about to die. Like I, I can't, there's, we have to do something. Like I, there's no point in just like staying with this. We, we've just waited this out of We've done every single thing to try to to work through this. So we go to the hospital 
And my kind of understanding is that we went there to get pain relief. I can't remember exactly why we went to the hospital, but I think it was to try to get some pain relief, maybe some morphine, maybe some kind of injection that, you know, they can hold me for there for four hours and then send me home because nothing else could happen. I couldn't sleep. No one around me could sleep. And this whole time, Justin and Sue are in emergency. They're in a state of emergency. They're awake 24 hours or, you know, trying to get little bits of sleep, but they're fully available for us as our support. And then we've got our doula and midwives as well that are that are there, you know, more intermittently. But Sue and Justin are fully, like, I'm just screaming in the house and they're just having to hear that, you know, and they know how strong I am. So to hear me going through that is obviously really disturbing and intense for them to have to to go through but yeah just a mention there's so much to say about what 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 they did and you know they just did everything for us they fully supported Jared and I to be together so we take grandma sue to the hospital and you know I need a wheelchair I can't sit in the car it's like and we get to the hospital and they take us up to the you know um, maternity place where they assess mothers and babies and they put me on the table. I'm just like breathing through the contractions, like dealing with the pain. And a, a woman comes and, you know, offers to do an exam. And the exam shows up that I'm four centimeters dilated. So basically I'm I'm in labor. And the, the lady's like, you, the reason you're in pain is because you're in labor. And of course, I know there's a complicated thing going on here, but they then they give us the the two options. You can go home and labor at home. Or you can stay here at the birthing center where we have different forms of pain relief. You know, we have gas, um, morphine injections, you can get an epidural, and you can continue your labor here. So we make the tough decision to go back home. The midwife on staff is super encouraging. You know, you've got, you know, you're in labor, you can do this, go home. Basically, you know, you're progressing in your labor and you've got everything set up at home. Like, you can do this and... Jared's like, we can do this, we can do this. Sue's like, yep, we can do this. Like, let's all do this. And I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go home and do this. Let's continue our labor. So that Saturday night, you know, 12 in the night, and we go home and we labor all night. The midwife and the doula come as well to be with us. So they're they come at maybe 2 or 3 a.m. by the time we get home. And we go through all of the techniques again to try to turn the baby. Jasmine is still hundred percent chilling like not phased in the least no changes to you know before the labor started just resting and the contractions are happening we go through a series of of postures and techniques to try to turn the baby which just have me absolutely like screaming in pain because of the the pain that was happening so the contractions are still not even that intense but the contractions are triggering the pain to peak any movements of Jasmine, she's kicking and going crazy like she had been doing the whole pregnancy, just like having fun all the time. So that would also trigger the pain to peak. And of course, if I moved in any way, it would trigger the pain to peak. So me doing those movements and, you know, me trying to, you know, deepen the labor and get the contraction stronger and get things moving was, of course, making the pain peak more. And at this point, I wasn't actually able to release my pelvic floor anymore. So I wasn't even able to pee anymore. At some point, the midwives have to swap over. I think we had maybe four, five mid, four or five midwives attend our, our birth because they're not allowed to work for more than twelve hours at a time. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, I, 
I know what I need to do at some point, which is I need to actually slow down the labor because it's not going anywhere. There's this huge contradiction happening where my uterus is trying to do its work to push a baby down and my musculoskeletal system is trying to protect whatever has gotten inflamed or impinged and it's trying to hold things back. So there's this contradiction going on and when so much power and consistency and focused and one-pointedness is needed to expel a baby from the body. I'm so clear that it's just not going to happen while something is so powerfully trying to protect itself and hold back. So I know what I need to do. I need to slow things right down and go into and to find a position that I think I could meditate my way into rest into. So I do that and I get like maybe a 50 minute break where it's, you know, back to 10 minute apart contractions and I can breathe through it and sand through it and and try to rest again. But I'm on the clock, you know, like the the midwives, they're not allowed to attend long, complicated births at home. If it's long and complicated, it's no longer a home birth. It's a risk birth and it needs to be in the hospital. So they're, you know, so respectful of the process I'm in, but basically they're letting me know that if you want to do this at home, your labor needs to progress. You know, you can't just be resting like something needs to happen. And I'm well aware that that's just not going to happen. My labor is not going to progress while there's this contradiction happening. The only thing that's going to make this labor progress is to actually stop it. And even then, I don't even know what, I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's what I know my body needed to do. There's no way it could push forward and through something when there's these two kind of like opposing forces. But the reality is that the midwives and the doula are no longer comfortable with delivering a baby at home or basically continuing to labor with me at home. So Sunday comes around and there's a there's another time limit that if if things are not progressing and if contractions are not continuous and strong and the cervix isn't dilating, they've got one more option of what could they could do at home but they're basically wanting to and then we'll have to eventually transfer into the hospital so that I would be giving birth in the hospital and the last thing that they that they can do is to break the membranes so make the so to break the waters because that is a way of intensifying you know it's an intervention it's an induction technique it's something to make the contraction stronger, hopefully that will turn the baby, dilate the cervix, more things will progress, and then we can do that at home. So we weigh up, do we want our waters broken? And basically it's either get your waters broken at home or get your waters broken at the hospital. So might as well give it a go, break the waters at home. So we break the waters at home. I say, look, before you're going to break the waters, give me an hour to rest. I need one hour to try my whole rest thing again it's going to be the best chance to kind of break through this contradiction. Like when both processes are fully engaged in opposition to each other, it's not going to work. Um, so let me rest and see if if the inflammation could ease off and the labor can speed back up again. So they grant me that, you know, they're so generous. They want me to have a, a home birth. I don't, I don't mind where I birth. I just know that I need to actually give birth. I need to find a way to get this baby out because there's this serious complication or there's a series of complications and there's this serious contradiction happening inside my body. So I don't care where I give birth, but I need to, I need to find a way to do it, you know? So I was never, I never felt like 
the priority wasn't getting my birth plan met or my birthing preferences met. My priority was how do I get this baby out? Like I need to, I need to find a way through this because it's not straightforward. So for me, like the, I was saying at the beginning, like the process wasn't really traumatic because it was, it was so unpointed. I only ever needed to focus on what I needed to do next because things were so intense and I just needed to get through the next moment and make the next decision. So I had so little to focus on. It was just, what am I doing right now? And then then the next moment, what am I doing now? So it's always just like, what's next? Where all the people around me, they had they had such a dispersed attention, like, oh my God, what's, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? How can I help? What are ways like, you know, they're racking their mind of all the possible ways of things that they need to be aware of and that they could be helpful of. And it's super exhausting and really traumatic and hard to process, especially when there's no control and there's, you know, there's no clarity about what's happening. But for me, it was every step of the way I felt so aligned. You know, all I had to do was feel into this moment. What do I need to do? What feels aligned and commit to it? So every decision was kind of easy in a way for me. So actually the midwife upon, oh, so she also, this midwife on Sunday also has to insert a catheter to drain my bladder. So she drains a liter of urine, which is, um, like insane. I do have a big bladder. I'm a bit of a camel, but she drains about a liter of urine because I've been staying really hydrated and nourished, but I haven't been able to release because the pelvic floor, like I said, the musculoskeletal system was in this absolute trauma mode. And it was the uh, pelvic floor wasn't able to release to let urine go. So I had to have put a catheter in at home and they let out um, a liter. So they let out this big pressure, hoping that this big pressure release and potentially an obstacle to the baby's movement and turning would help. And then she goes in to break the water, but she doesn't even need to. She reckons the water's already been broken, but she also finds meconium there as well, which suggests that maybe the baby, or, you know, she thinks it's meconium. She's not sure. Maybe the baby's um, taken a poop inside of her home because, well, she's been in there for a while. And so the waters are broken um, and she gives me two hours so they give me two hours to labor at home before we need to transfer into the hospital. And they're, you know, really reasonable. They're just like, you can do whatever you want, but basically your labor is not progressing. You need to do something. What, why are you, you have to consider, why are you still trying to labor at home if it's not happening? And, you know, they tell me the options in the hospital is that basically they will try to do some kind of induction to speed up the contractions to try to make the labor go faster to try to get the baby out. So I'm like, cool, that's the only option, fine. So she gives me two hours. I really push it. I get the contractions to come really fast, as fast as possible. And I labor and the pain's really intense and I go through it. Jared supports me. We're in the backyard, you know, our beautiful backyard and breathe through it and work through it. And uh, after two hours, there's no progress. So we transfer to the hospital. And there's one other complication, which is that because the labor has been going on so long and Jasmine's been on a sideways position, one side of my cervix has started to swell. And also there is some swelling at the top of her head between her skull and her skin. So like a little bubble of fluid. Um, so there's been a, a stress from the contractions pressing her head down onto the cervix, but only on one side. Just a small stress, but it means that actually the cervix, which had become fully thin 
and started to open has started to thicken a little bit on one side. So at the hospital, the plan is to give me some synthetic oxytocin. And that can be, you know, just a little bit. And what that does it, or it can be a lot and continuous. And what the point of that is, is to try to speed up the contractions to try to press out this swelling from the cervix strong enough to turn Jasmine, press her through and get her out. The only thing is that because of this synthetic oxytocin, it's so intense and starts to, you know, ramp the contractions up 100%. I've already got this pain. It can be really painful. They strongly recommend an epidural. So I'm like, okay, sweet. Give me the epidural. Let's do this oxytocin. Let's get Jasmine out. That's our only option. Let's do that. Epidural sounds pretty good to me for what I've been through for the four days prior. And it also seems like the only way to start to manage this contradiction between the contraction of the muscles of my back and my pelvic floor and my hips, my spine and so on, and the kind of relaxation that's needed. So epidural sounds good. So we're in the hospital, Jared, Sue, and myself. The midwives are amazing. The hospital team's amazing. They get us straight in, you know, as quickly as possible. I'm feeling really good. Like, yep, sweet, something something positive to, you know, the next step. The next step is happening. Let's do this. And um, so, you know, they put in the catheter, they put in an epidural, something I never thought I would ever get. I was like 100% like, let's do this. Super keen, super keen for the catheter that was, you know, just so grateful for all of these interventions that were like gifts. (laughs) You know, they weren't pushed on me. I didn't feel disempowered, you know, which is this whole idea of this um, contradiction between the medical system and natural birth that the medical system is, you know, imposing itself on on women. But the this in this case, these gifts were being offered and free and with so much, so many people in a hundred percent service to us. It was just amazing. So the staff are all incredible and careful and experienced and just fantastic. And then the obstetrician walks in, this nice guy. And he is here to explain the implications of the oxytocin. So I already have had the big talk about the, you know, fully informing me about all the implications about the epidural. I'm like, sweet, sign all of that off. And then he comes to tell me about the implications of the oxytocin. And he explains to us in, you know, this this incredible guy, shout out to Chris, the obstetrician. And he tells us we have three choices. The first one is do nothing. And he was like, but you're here, so that's not what you want to do. So let's take that one off the table. The second choice is this oxytocin and epidural, and let's see if all of these things can spin the baby. And the third choice is a C-section. And he says, you know, if we do the oxytocin and the very strong contractions and the obstruction of the, you know, the opening of the uterus, so there's this kind of obstruction there, stress Jasmine out, what happens is it's very quickly that she will, what he said is declare herself. So she will very quickly say, I'm not into this, or I'm into this. And if she says I'm not into this, it basically turns into an emergency section. All the alarms are hit her if her, they they give six minutes if you know, and with every contraction, her heart rate drops. But if her heart rate drops and after six minutes it doesn't pick up and it keeps dropping, then it becomes an emergency C-section and they need to get her out. And if that happens, 
there's not enough time to give me the correct epidural for the C-section, so I'll be fully gassed out. Jaron won't be allowed in the C-section surgery room in the theater, and it'll be basically a state of alarm. Everyone, No matter how calm I am and what a meditator I am, the, it'll be a state of distress. The hospital will be in distress. Jasmine will be in distress, and that's why it's an emergency. And I will probably be in distress too. Everyone is going to be in distress, and it'll be this emergency situation. So that's the risk of doing the oxytocin thing. Um, otherwise, you can choose a C-section now and you can go in. Jared can go in. Jared can, you know, we can do delayed cord clamping. We can do skin to skin if there's no problems. Jared can cut the cord. Jared can receive the baby. I can see the baby being born. I can be fully lucid because I'm not um, being gassed out. And, you know, it can be like this kind of gentle birth. But it won't be a vaginal birth, you know, it's, and you have to get a C-section in order to do that. So which one do you want to do? You know, give us even more just in the end said the synth- the oxytocin doesn't look promising. And um, I can't remember if he also said it's not the one I would choose. But we asked him a lot of questions. He spoke at length and just gave us every bit of information he had. He was very adamant that he didn't want us to feel bullied into anything and that no matter which one, you know, the last words as he walked out the door to leave us with a decision was like, um, you know, if they're ready to start the oxytocin drip, then just let me know and I'm happy to happy to go ahead with that. So he steps outside, you know, Sue Jared and I look at each other and I'm just like beaming. It make It's absolutely clear that the gentle C-section is the next step. And in less than an hour... I'm going to have Jasmine in our arms and all of this is going to be over. And in like, you know, a matter of moments, all the pain from my body is going to be removed. And I just felt like I had been given the biggest gift, you know, like, just felt so incredibly fortunate and also just felt so empowered. You know, I have a choice to make and the choice is so easy and the choice is so fortunate there's like zero downfalls, except that I had built up a stigma in all my birth research and all my birth prep that C-sections were a lesser birth. In a C-section birth, you know, there's all of these, um, there was all of these negative implications for mother and baby and, you know, from the, the microbiome of the baby and the bonding and like, it's this huge intervention, it's major abdominal surgery and it's just so much lesser. It's it's the it's a failed birth, you know, if it's a C-section, you know, all those kinds of thoughts. That was the only downfall. Some kind of belief that I had put into my mind that it wasn't as good as a vaginal or a natural delivery. And even taking drugs and antibiotics weren't as good as doing everything natural. And I had started to build that up. And I was listening to I'd listened to at least 70 birth stories, if not more, before our labor and our birth. And they were all in that, or there was a lot of messaging around avoid medical intervention at all costs. And medical intervention is like demonic. And, you know, there, there's a strong message out there where in this case, it was like, it was just this absolute blessing, so empowered, so healthy. And this kind of phrase came to my mind you know, in this week, this last week of processing things where it's like, it's not any one thing that matters. Or what matters isn't one thing, what matters is everything, all the things. 
So it's not a C-section that that creates a problem. It's not, you know, an induction. It's not not any one thing is a problem. What what we always have to consider is all the pieces and how they work together. And the pieces that all work together to invite us to do this C-section were all so positive. And I just felt so like there wasn't a doubt in my mind. It was just 100% aligned. And I know that the people around me, Sue and Jared, you know, they're just like, oh my God, I was going into surgery, like, and they felt the the worry, worry about that. And, you know, worried for me and felt bad for me that I had to go and get surgery now where I'm just like, oh my God, this is just <laughs> the best option. So I felt really good about it. The choice was clear. And they just, you know, they, they performed this amazing, amazing operation on me. And, you know, it, it was like, in less than five minutes, they showed me Jasmine, they took her out, and they slowly cleaned her off. She was covered in poop because she had pooped in, inside. And, you know, Jared was taking care of her. And, and they, you know, it took it took longer for them to then reverse the surgery and, and stitch me back up all the pieces back out. And I was obviously not able to feel it. But it was was there awake with Jared and Jared was holding Jasmine and showing me Jasmine and Jasmine's like, looking at me and licking her lips ready for the boob. And eventually they take me back out and they put Jasmine onto my chest and Jasmine just latches and we start our postpartum journey from there. I'm mindful that this is, you know, a, a long episode and, you know, I usually like to keep things a bit shorter and sweet. But yeah, that concludes our, our labor process that takes us up to the birth. We spend two more days in hospital recovering because it, you know, it is this major surgery and we're just treated so well, the most incredible staff, and we're all just taken so care of. And I, you know, in this beautiful hospital, and our family is allowed to visit. They're just, everyone is so generous and in 100% service to us. And we get to learn from all of the midwives and see what how they're caring for Jasmine. And, you know, we want to stay there in a little bit longer, just to be cautious, um, the, the different medications and slowly kind of reversing our way out of the medical system before we end up back home. You know, and we spent a lot of time kind of processing what happened. You know, those days were so intense. The our, Each of our experiences, you know, the four of us that were in the house on the whole time was so intense. The experiences of our family that weren't able to be kept updated because, you know, we have a lot of family members. We've got a big network but especially our family who had to be so patient because Jared and I were in such an intense process. There's no way for us to update, you know, the 15 of them. Jared's got quite a big family of parents and siblings, and I've got my family as well. And they just had to be patient and wait to hear from us because we can't answer calls and give texts and we don't even know what's going on. So things are so complicated the most help that they could be would to be to give us space, which they all did, which was just amazing. And now we're, you know, life after birth at home, again, just so supported and sinking into this experience where we have just received everything we've wanted. And we're so healthy and happy, like Jasmine is doing amazing and my milk's in and she's feeding and sleeping and she is, you know, I have to say the cutest thing in the entire world so, so, so sweet um, and happy and, and we're doing really, really well. So there's just so much to be grateful for. But yeah, there was a lot of lessons in there and I've touched on a couple, you know, about my belief systems and things like that. But 
yeah, there's there's more to be shared and Jared and I want to get on and and share a bit more about our personal journey because what I just shared was more like the timeline and the details, which everyone wants to know what happened, right? So that's what happened. But how it was for us is something that, you know, we can chat more intimately about in the different spaces that we share together, as well as on the podcast, Jared and I can share more about our experience in in a more conversational podcast format as well. Because yeah, there's a lot more to unpack. And there's a lot of stigma to release. And there's a lot of fears to relax away for families and women who are giving birth. And as always, I I love to hear your feedback. Um, You know, so please share with me and I hope you received something from this episode. And yeah, I guess I'll speak to you when I do. We're enjoying the bubble as well as yeah, still being in service and connecting with the outside world as well a little bit. So I look forward to speaking to you soon and enjoy all of the podcasts that we have lined up in January. And actually in in each of those episodes in January, we're reminding or letting you know that at the end of January, we'll be doing another free workshop series, which definitely ties into some of the things that I've spoken about in the episode about being able to, well, one one of the free workshops is about how to clear negative energy. The other one is about healing. So if you are pregnant or if you're anyone and you want to learn more about the different approaches that we take at Functional Spirituality, might as well let you know now that there is another free workshop series coming up at the end of January. So head to the website to sign up for that. It's totally free and they're always really amazing, really nice energy with everyone coming to gather together to discuss these really meaningful and relevant topics and ideas and for me to share my experiences in the workshops. So I hope you can join those and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Look forward to sharing more with you soon. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.